Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Stephanie Jones. But before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, Go Brand Go, The Tom James Company, Enterprise Bank and Trust, Edward Jones. And now to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Stephanie Jones, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me today. Good morning. How are you, Brian? I'm great. Thanks for asking. We were connected from our sponsor, NWO IT Services. Nick over there was the one who connected us. And so I'm excited to have you on the show today and and talk to you about your law practice. Thank you for inviting me. And um, NWO is a great company that I've been with from the beginning. I love them. Yeah, absolutely. They're a client of mine and uh, they do some great work. So Let's start in the beginning. Talk to us about growing up and what led you to starting your law practice. Well, I'm a native St. Louisan. I've lived here my entire life. Uh, Growing up, though, my plan was always to leave. I thought it would be some sort of failure if if I stayed here my whole life, and which, as you know, a lot of natives do stay here. So I thought I'm going to be the one that changes things. Um, but I never left. Um, I started my undergrad. I was going to be a psychologist that led me to a brief stint as a social worker where I discovered I was really bad at that. (laughs) I went back to school. Um, that did give me, um, what got me started in law is I was doing social work for the state of Missouri and I would go to court a lot for cases. And so I thought, wow, this is really great. So I went to law school a little bit later and um, I got into SLU as one of the schools. And so, you know, once I took the Missouri bar, I was never leaving. And so here we are. And here you are. So talk to us about the type of law that you practice, because I know you kind of have your own little niche. Yes, um, we're a 100% family law firm. We have four lawyers, myself included. So a lot of people don't know what family law means. Family law means divorce custody, custody of people who aren't married, um, post-nups, pre and post, um, modifications of prior orders, like if you go back to court to modify a custody or support, enforcement, things like restraining orders. So it's a, it's a small group of um, a select kind of law. And we specialize, our firm specializes in complex divorce. So um, we don't have a high volume. We have 
complex cases that usually take a lot of time. Usually our clients are high net worth. They have complicated assets. They're professionals, high earners, or we have a contentious custody case. Um, so those things can be a little bit drawn out. Two of our lawyers are mediators, which is usually like another way to stay out of the courthouse. Um, I personally am more of a litigator. I, I like the court stuff. So you like to fight it out in court? Um, yeah, I think that's <laughs> yeah. the way to say it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm assuming your, um, your social work is what led you to really do the family law. Would that be correct? Yeah, it is. Um, I always wanted to help people. I just didn't know how I was going to best do that. And I've, yeah. I've lucked into that law has been such a great fit for me. Um, because social work was not. <laughs> yeah, I, I can understand. But I also, so my, to give you background, my, my best friend, uh, his name is Cole Ramsey. He lives in uh, Washington, D.C. He's a lawyer, but he is in more, uh, he's in the oil industry, negotiating contracts, things along those lines. So totally different type of law practice, obviously, than, than, you, than you practice. And I find it almost fascinating that you can be a lawyer, but do, there's so many different types of law that can be practiced. There really is. And I mean, even within family law, there's people that specialize within family law. There's people that specialize in prenuptial agreements. There's people that specialize just in custody cases. And so, I mean, that's really the great thing about law is you can really make it whatever you want it to be. Um, I mean, when I was in law school trying to think of what I was going to do, the thought of reviewing contracts all day and just sitting there reading like what you're talking about, your friend. Yeah. That was like, that would be my nightmare. So I get to talk to people. I get to go to court, but I also get to read and research and write. So it's a good combination for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, talk to us about kind of starting your own practice. What have been some of the things that you learned about, you know, not only being a lawyer, but obviously running and owning your own practice? Um, well, I spent 10 years at a boutique firm doing the same thing. And so when I left there to hang my shingle, um, I was a, you know, a typical technician. I knew how to do the work really well. I knew I could do it. I knew I could grind it out. And what I was worried about the most was revenue. How will my phone ring? Will people know where to find me? And what I didn't consider is that I had stopped being an employee and I became an employer. And so um, that was a really big adjustment for me personally, because I had never been in that role before. My family was all blue collar. No one really went to college. Um, no one owned a business. And so I had no mentors. And it was really quite a learning curve for me. Um, so, yeah, that that switch has been a big challenge for me. Absolutely. Well, to your point, I mean, and I don't know a whole lot about law school or anything along those lines, but. Um, are there classes in law school teaches you how to own and run a business? <laughs> no, um, they teach you how to read <laughs> case law <laughs> and advocate and write, but they really don't teach you a lot about marketing and they yeah. teach you nothing. At least when I was in school, they teach you nothing about running a business Yeah, and that's what you're doing. It's hard to, you know, it's easy to forget that you're running a business. You're, you're not just a lawyer, right? So um, I think that in the beginning, I made a lot of those mistakes when I was just winging it. Sure. Well, that leads me to my next question about really the growth of your firm. 
Um, what has helped you guys grow as an organization? You know, you mentioned marketing there. Um, I, I know, you know, a few weeks ago, we had Stephen Schultz of Schultz Meyer on here, a big law firm here in St. Louis. They are, uh, again, different type of law than you are than you're in, you know, but what he told us in that podcast episode was they bought the, uh, the 314-444-444 for more. Uh, phone numbers, right? 636 and the 314. And that really launched them. That's what really got them into the space. But talk to us about being a small business and marketing and how, how you utilize that to help your firm grow. Yeah, I, I listened to that podcast. and I found that to be fascinating. And that's one of the different, I mean, what he does is so different than what I do. I mean, there are some family law firms that I would call more volume firms that would be able to buy the number and that would make sense to them. Um, But really in our city and, you know, the metro area, how most of us family law attorneys get our cases is by your reputation. And so a stellar reputation is really the most important thing. And that's the thing a a young lawyer really needs to focus on most. And by reputation, I don't just mean in the community, like the judges have to have a high opinion of you. Your colleagues have to have a high opinion of you. And so that foundation was essential for starting my firm. That's what allowed me to leave. And then once I left, um, you know, aside from doing a good job, you'll always get clients if you do a good job. Marketing has been a little tricky because, you know, I think there's a perception, at least amongst mid to small law firms, that if you are advertising, you know, you're, you know, if you have to advertise, then something's wrong. Um, I don't necessarily ascribe to that line of thought, but we do select marketing. Like we have a weekly blog that we target to people that need the information. We also give information away for free um, because, you know, it's, there's no reason to hide the ball. Google exists. They're going to get it somewhere. So we target that. Um, But we also just, um, I mean, aside from reputation, that's our word of mouth is our best marketing tool. We speak a lot. um, We write a lot so that people have confidence in us. Absolutely. Well, and to your point, you guys are in kind of a a niche there where you're really looking in the family law piece, especially in your, you in particular, you're lurking with professionals and high net worth individuals. Um, And if that's your specialty, you you obviously want to be focused more on that area if, if you're trying to attract new clients in that way. Right. I mean, you know, there's, you know, I have people trying to sell me stuff a lot. Everyone says, oh, you should advertise on Google. Well, I don't know that I want the client that just Googles divorce attorney St. Louis. Absolutely. And so, you know, I'm looking for a different kind of client. And I think those clients aren't looking for me either. Sure. Um, so, yeah, trying to figure out that has been interesting. And we're, still, we're still learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that brings me to a really uh, good question that I, um, you know, I'll say, I thankfully I haven't had to really answer this question myself, but you know, when you're looking at picking an attorney, whether it is in, in your case, family law, what are things that people should, you know, be looking for when they're, you know, to your point, if, if, you know, if I needed a family law attorney, most likely I would reach out to my network, right. Or use the, the network or the foundation that I've, I've built, um, to find that person. I wouldn't Google them, but, um, what are things that people should be looking for when they're trying to find that, that right fit for them? 
Well, there's, um, there's an analogy about the kind of lawyer, whether they're a fox, a lamb, or a pit bull. And I think everyone says, oh, I want a pit bull attorney. And um, what I believe is what you really want is a fox. And, you know, the lamb is going to peacefully do things, but maybe not be as big of an advocate. A pit bull is going to be scorched earth. They, you, and you might win that way. Yeah. A fox is strategic. They're smart. They're savvy and they're aggressive when it gets you benefits. And so a pit bull approach might feel really good initially, like kind of like I won the battle, but I feel like you use, you will lose the war if you yeah. go with that approach and for family law specifically what people forget at the end of this kind of law this kind of case is these two people still have to parent and so you know especially when you have young kids if you use the scorched earth approach and hire the pit bull you're not going to be able to sit at a wedding with the other person you're not going to be able to share grandkids um, graduations i mean think of all the things you're going to have to do as co-parents and so you know sometimes there's no choice you have to do that but um you know i think it's it's better to have an attorney who is savvy about when to use that approach and when not to i couldn't agree more i mean i again i don't know a lot about this topic that's why i'm interviewing you but i i i couldn't agree more i I have friends who have went through divorces and um, they are co-parenting uh, their kids. And I see how they do it on, well, I virtually see it through Facebook, how they do it. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. How they are you know, really co-parenting, even though they went through a divorce. Um, and so I, I, I agree with you. That's um, because you're right. You still have to go to soccer games and you still have to go to these types of events where the your, your ex-spouse is going to be there. And at the end of the day, you should be thinking about your kids instead of, you know, what, what that spouse did to you or what you did to them. It's hard. There's so many emotions in family law. You know, it's not like a criminal case or an insurance case where the insurance company and the injured go to dinner in a month right. after their case is over. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's really hard to manage our clients' emotions and expectations about you know, what is going, we can do the plan you want, but there are consequences to that. Sure. And so a really good attorney will explain the consequences. It's still your choice if you want to ignore them. Um, but, you know, you should be told the consequences because it can be really difficult post-divorce to co-parent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk uh, and dive into leadership. Talk to us about your views on leadership and how you're currently leading your firm and where you kind of learned all that from. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the biggest uh, things I've been able to provide my, my team is stability, um, especially during COVID. I mean, COVID for us has just been a roller coaster, I'm sure, for a lot of people. But as the leader projecting stability, I think has been the biggest trait I can give to them because they're going home and things are crazy. They're our clients crazy. Their lives are crazy. You know, everything is up, was up in the air. And so to let them know that their job was secure, they were, we were never going to close our doors. We were never going to, they never had to worry about where their paychecks were coming from. I was always going to show up and be there for them and be there for our clients. And they never had to question that. And I think that that caused them to really 
you know, it grew our team in a way that I didn't anticipate. We really all became closer um, when we had to go through adversity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's touch on COVID here for a minute. Um, I have had several friends who are attorneys and, and went through this process, but talk to us about how when COVID hit in 2020, how it impacted the court system, right? Um, because uh, I, I know it dramatically did. <laughs> uh, it's still impacting the court system, to be honest. So, it, I mean, for family law, the courthouse pretty much shut down for several months. Um, and that's because the court systems were already outdated. And so to pivot to being virtual took a very lengthy period of time. Yeah. Um, you know, not every judge is savvy in the same way when it comes to technology. So, you know, <laughs> some judges, it took a while to pivot and some judges picked it up really quickly. And so some cases moved, but a lot of cases didn't. And so the people that had filed in 2019 who were expecting a trial in 2020 didn't get that. And then they got bumped to 2021. Some of them are still pending. So there's an enormous backlog in the court system, um, especially in St. Louis County. That is, I mean, it's hard to get, I got set for a trial for like November the other day. That's crazy for a divorce, at least wow. in my world. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a really difficult thing to explain to clients who, you know, their employers pivoted immediately. Right. Here's a laptop, here's a Zoom login, we'll go back to work. Whereas the, we kept having to tell them, your hearing got changed, your hearing got canceled. Um, you can't participate, only lawyers can go to the WebEx or the Zoom. Um, it's been really, really hard. Yeah, well, to your point, you know, I was, um, let's, let's rewind before COVID, I was doing presentations via Zoom anyway. Um, now, I was doing a lot more stuff in person, but for me and, you know, for our Synchrony HR, we were able to transition pretty seamlessly. But to your point, I feel like uh, this is not a knock on our government, but anything in our government, I feel like it takes forever to transition to 21st century. Um, and I, I got to imagine, you know, to your point, some judges, you know, probably were old school in the fact that they didn't necessarily know what Zoom is, right? And so that had to be a transition. It was a big transition. There were some that would literally only do things by the phone because they didn't know, they didn't understand the technology. So you had to yeah. call the other attorney and then conference in the judge. But if the judge was behind on the docket, then you had to go back through all that. Oh my and, goodness. I mean, it was like a weird endless loop. But even that, they switched from Zoom to WebEx because of security concerns, which I don't know if you do a lot of WebEx. It's not a great platform. Sorry, gotcha. WebEx. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that it has been really complicated. I mean, us, per, my, our firm pivoted seamlessly. And that was, I mean, we started our firm cloud-based to begin with. And we did that primarily because when we first when I first left, I had um, a six month old baby. And the reason I left is I wanted flexibility. I wanted to be able to work when I when it suited me so that I could participate in being a mom and not when it suited somebody else. And so um, um, my goal was, I wanna be able to work where I want, when I want. So we were already cloud-based, which once COVID hit was huge. Absolutely. You know, all of our staff already had surfaces. They already had monitors at home. They already had cell phones. We were on VoIP. I mean, a lot of 
smaller firms didn't have the technology. So they, you know, had a lot of delays because you couldn't get a computer in the beginning. Everyone was trying to get computers. So we pivoted quickly. And then just by, um, I don't know if I would call this luck, we moved our office in the spring of 2020. Um, we were moving from, you know, one location to another and our, our construction wasn't finished. And then COVID hit. So we were already in boxes and on tables in a, <laughs> a space we weren't, you know, we didn't have furniture. And so right. people were already kind of working remote and then COVID hit. So it, it was just like, well, stay home. Yeah. Um, so we pivoted quickly, which was great. Our clients really appreciated that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go back and let's go back to your team for a minute. You know, you mentioned you have four lawyers and obviously several team members outside of them. What are things that you try to instill into your team uh, from a leadership perspective? Um, instill in my team. I mean, I have an open door policy um, with limitations. And so every day I have a 30 minute window, which is what I call question time. And my door is closed beyond that unless you schedule some time with me. But that 30 minutes is a, an opportunity for you to come ask me any question you have. Even if you think it's not a great question, a dumb question, you're embarrassed, no judgment, and my door is wide open. And so that has given my team, they never have to wait for me. Sure. I, I'm not the bottleneck. And so that 30 minutes, um, that has kind of percolated to now everyone does it. So, and there's a 30 minute window where everyone's in the hall asking everybody else questions. And it's been really great that is neat. Uh, for facilitating and keeping things moving. Absolutely. That's neat. That's really neat. You know, Stephanie, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if you could leave us with a piece of advice today, whether that's on law, on your business, or just personal life in general, what could you leave us with today? I wrote down so many pieces of advice, um, which is so lawyer of me. Um, but the, the one I kept going back to is to never be afraid to ask for help. Um, I didn't have any help. And so I asked anyone who would answer my questions. I had coaches. I had business owners, non-lawyers. My father-in-law, who owns a bunch of businesses, is an, an entrepreneur. I asked any question. And so... I got help where I needed it. And that helped me grow. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great piece of advice. I feel like sometimes people are afraid to ask questions because they're afraid of how that may look um, yeah. or may make them feel weak or incompetent or whatever you ha may have. But to your point, um, it can, it just, it's just another way to help you learn and grow as an individual. Yes, I would agree. Absolutely. Well, Stephanie, on behalf of the STL Leaders Podcast and myself, I appreciate you coming on today, sharing your wisdom about the, the law and uh, the family law um, and your leadership skills here in St. Louis. We appreciate you being a great STL leader. Thanks for inviting me, Brian. I appreciate it.